0: Participation is required. Thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to The Sports Card Therapist, a sports card podcast. You are on the mic with Rob. Don't forget to hit him up on social media with questions and comments. It's goats over prospecting all day. Thanks for tuning in to The Sports Card Therapist. right ladies and gentlemen uh this is the new series ding corners i guess i can stop saying new series uh with sports car dad and sports car therapist reminding you that there's no perfect way to collect he's dustin i'm rob dustin what is going on man fifth episode episode five five weeks in a row let's go how you doing
1: we're just grinding out here we don't there's no time to
0: to stop you know we just keep going
1: (laughs) We're making videos at midnight every night (laughs) now.
0: Every night. Listen, and and you are, you're, I mean, I guess you can say same thing with me, but it's like, it's hard to really look at, I guess, look in the mirror and see things for what it is because I look at you and I'm like, yo, you have so many things going on right now. I know you're, you're continuing to build up your uh, YouTube channel and really turning it into more of a content network rather than just your content channel. You're getting, um, other, content creators including myself that are posting unique videos on your page you're you're going on lives uh you're doing the dinged corners thing uh i know you and i have had conversations behind the scenes about things that you're doing and and plans and ideas you have and then same thing with me vice versa whether if it's like the wolf pack uh the solo podcast the pwcc auctions on sunday nights i mean it's just we are we are busy man and and doesn't it make it so much more fun it doesn't even feel like work
1: well, I think that's the thing. It's kind of like the the fun, the really fun side hustle, you know, that we all have. And it never gets old. You know, I think that's the thing. I almost kind of envision kind of like the old guys that sit around and have a coffee and just talk for four hours about, you know, baseball or whatever is on, on their mind or the news, the globe, the global news. I kind of feel like it's, it's the same. Like we all have this in common. It never gets old to hear people's takes and what cards they picked up or what they're looking to sell or it just never gets old. So yeah, it's, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. And you know what I really like about kind of like what we're doing here with dinged corners is, we're not doing like fancy sliding graphics and we're not bringing up charts and throwing a bunch of data at you. It's really, we're sitting here and we're just having conversations about this stuff. So, so even, even this uh, video right here, which is ways to improve the hobby episode five, we're really just kind of having a loose kind of conversation on it. We're not saying that, that any of these ideas or topics we throw out there are any more important than the next one. And there's probably going to be a lot of different um, ideas and, and ways to improve the hobby that we're probably not even going to include on this because it just really didn't come up. And, you know, this isn't a scripted show. This is us just kind of coming up with a topic and saying, all right, we're going to record it. You Don't know? sell
1: us short, Rob. These are all the answers. We have them. We have all the answers.
0: <laughs> we have every single answer to every question. Um, so yeah, man. So ways to improve the hobby, you know, this is the type of, uh, in this space, we have no governing body right, where there's no real rules to it, there's no laws or bylaws, but there are, um, you know, I think unwritten rules and unwritten laws, and, and we, you know, hope that everyone can kind of be on a level playing field and, and make, do things in, you know, ethical manner, but, you know, I don't know, man, like, so it's not always like that. And when it comes to companies, we know fanatics, I think we're probably going to be mentioning fanatics a couple times on this episode today. Um, with, you know, a lot of things are going to change when it comes to fanatics. So I'm kind of curious, uh, with you, what's, what's the first thing that you want to bring up with in terms of your ideas of how to improve the hobby?
1: Well, we just started the episode talking about content and, you know, the enjoyment of content. I watch a lot of content. I know you do too. You know, but that's a piece of the sports card or just trading card market that we don't see. And that's something I would love to see in the future. You know, I hear, you know, Michael Rubin always talks about five. I'm always looking five to 10 years down the road. So I'm not expecting this sort of thing to happen next year or anything. But it would be really cool to see a Fanatics YouTube channel that is showing kind of some of the behind the scenes of how cards are made, giving more kind of a pull back the curtain and show the average collector, how this is done and kind of the thought process, some of the strategy sessions would be really cool. Obviously they're not going to have a camera maybe and live streaming their strategy session on every last little thing, but if they have full control of the market for the most part for licensed products starting in a couple of years, are they really worried about competitive disadvantage, you know, on some of the, some of these things, I mean, they've got a 20 year deal that's that's starting. So um, I think it would be really cool just to see kind of like some of the behind the scenes from manufacturers and even you know panini and leaf they might not necessarily have have licensing, but they still make products they still will make probably some cool products and Brian Gray is a very colorful character. I've had him on my show before he's entertaining and he, and he's also been in the hobby for forty years in a variety of different ways so I think that uh, I'll start with that i guess is just kind of more content behind the scenes content showing us a little bit more of how the what is it how the sausage is made or or what's the what's the phrase
0: yeah, yeah, and you know. I love what you're saying when it comes to the, um, you know, the strategy, like, you know, the strategic meetings on, on directions they want to go with cards and ideas and stuff. Um, I don't know how sexy of a video it would be to show these cards just getting printed out and like sure. getting put on rollers and cut. I think if anything, that would kind of take away from some of the allure. Of the cards. And I know, you know, me being primarily a vintage guy, um, that's like the first thing I think of when I think, uh, you know, about collecting. A big part of the appeal for me with vintage cards is the journey this card has been on. Like, how has this card survived? 100 years how has this card survived 80 to 90 years how many different hands has it passed through who was the person that pack pulled this was it a little kid in his house was it you know uh, was it one in a trade or was it you know so um you know the idea of a card coming fresh off the printer and then like getting cut and slabbed immediately like don't get me wrong that's you know especially if it's an athlete i love i definitely see the appeal of that but um i don't know I don't know if that's something – I know one idea that I have is that I would love to get more transparent um, information and data on print runs. Yeah, we agree, on, we agree on that one for yeah, sure. Like, I yeah. want to know how many base cards are being printed. How many base cards?
1: Right, that's one thing. I'm only going to bring this up once because I know this is not a Stranger Things cards audience. But Zero Cool has not done a very good job on the marketing side. I think I talk more about their products and their than their Instagram person does. I'm, I'm probably cutting my legs out from me from the Zero Cool people, but it's just true. We, I was, I was joking with Reckless Cards about this as well. But one oh, thing, Reckless, Reckless Cards, shout out Reckless Cards. Um, they did post so there's eleven thousand one hundred and eleven cases of that product because of course the the main character is 11 so you see the 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 uh, significance there but my point is with the zero cool stuff they've got a print run attached to those whether it be the v friends or whether it be the uh the jackass cards or the clerk's cards they've got dune they they actually show you what they printed and i like that so i agree with you there that would be awesome
0: yeah and and so i think something else um I don't know how you feel about all the different color parallels, the rainbows. Some people love it. Um, Some people look at it as kind of like a marketing ploy to get people to continue to buy and make, you know, certain cards valuable. Like when you have 15 different color variations of the Aaron Judge card, you know, and you're trying to make the rainbow. I mean, of course, that's going to get people invested in and buying more, ripping more and all this, that and the third. But it's like, you know, that... I've talked a lot before about manufactured rarity and I I'm just not a huge fan of the manufactured rarity. You know, I think even when, uh, 2022 prism dropped, uh, the WWE cards yeah. and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a dive into some modern here. I'm going to, I'm going to scoop up some Hulk Hogan's and I'm going to try to build this rainbow. As I was building the rainbow, uh, to the Hulk Hogan, it was like, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And I'm like, why am I chasing this? And, and I get it. Not everyone collects the same, and that's what's awesome about it. Some people love to chase that rainbow, but for in my mind, I'm like, this is just like manufactured rarity that these companies are just trying to do to get me to spend more money on the same exact card in just a different color. And I, I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of that whole idea. So what are your thoughts as far as having like 15 different shades of red parallel?
1: Well, I think that's the problem is they've just overdone it a little bit. I don't mind parallels and serial numbered cards. I think that's actually kind of fun. You know, the chase cards are fun for sure. But, you know, you you always hear like, is anybody set collecting anymore? Now people will set collect fifties and sixties baseball sets, but are you going to get new people set collecting modern, these ultra modern sets when there's 50 different you know colors? And like you said, there's like red shimmer red you know red r- regular red ruby red maroon red like it's like how many different reds And then you've got the aqua blues and the blue so yeah you can't overdo it to where this the people that would normally collect the rainbow are like screw it it's just too many i'm not gonna buy 50 different Aaron judge cards to make up the rainbow so yeah i think that um you know, you've got it. You've got to scale scale back the parallels. I think that would actually go over really well for for collectors slash speculators slash investors if they said, "Hey, we're gonna we're going back to where we had it maybe five years ago." You know, the the parallels. We, we've just yeah. gotten a little bit overboard with it.
0: Yeah. So uh, definitely more transparency as far as print runs are concerned for sure. Uh, next up, what ideas do you have? Security
1: innovations for grading companies. Uh, more just kind of the. You know, we, we've heard this where it's like, you know, you've got counterfeit slabs, counterfeit, counterfeit labels, and, and scammers have gotten really good with these, you know, putting a real card inside a fake slab or it's a, you know, it's a different label on it. You know, they're, they've gotten really good at that sort of thing. So, you know, I guess continue I to put a fake, a fake card in a real slab. All sorts of different things or, yeah, or, or yeah. it's a lo- or it's a lower grade card in a higher
0: grade yeah it's like it's like a, it's like like a Jordan 80 year old that 80 year old or he was like in his 70s yeah. or 80s from Arizona or something like that right who just just got in trouble yeah. uh, got arrested uh, federal crime and what he did was was it a PSA 10 Michael Jordan he he cracked it cracked a real PSA slab managed to get it apart left the real label in there and all he did was swap out a card He threw in like a
1: six. Yeah. He threw in like a six or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that's just, if you're, if they're able to kind of just continue, I know they're working on that. That's not, um, you know, that's not a new idea, but just continue that, that, because sometimes it's like we hear about, oh, we're working on this initiative, but then you don't really see it come to fruition. I hope there's just more pressure, keep the pressure on to have, you know, just more security technology around these labels and slabs.
0: Yeah, and I think it was Cousins Collectibles a few weeks ago that mentioned something like this on their live um, about how there is no reason, no reason whatsoever why I should submit a card for grading, have it come back as a PSA 8, and then I crack out the case and submit the same exact card and it comes back a PSA 9. There is no reason that should ever happen. Like once a card... Like, how is there not just this universal, you know, um, you know, and, and I guess I don't know if. Well, and I thought that that was the point of Gentleman
1: in part, you know, so Genement PSA picked picked up Gentleman, they acquired them. In part to stop fraud, you know, uh, fake cards and those sorts of things. But also I remember PSA going back a year, year and a half. I think I believe it was a Nat Turner interview where it was essentially wanting to have a fingerprint of a card. So kind of speaking to what you're talking about. So when a card comes through, they know that they've graded that exact particular card. I don't know how they would do that. You know, I'm not exactly sure I how that tech works.
0: Market somehow that can only be seen under like a black light or something, right? Yeah, which again raises that sure. raises questions I, like I wouldn't want my card being Are you
1: touch, yeah? Are you marking it with an invisible pen or something? Or, you know, what's
0: the but here's my question though. Do you think that grading companies really want to stop people from cracking out and, and resubmitting? Because if if you just figured out some sort of way to stop cracking and resubmitting, I think these grading companies lose probably about twenty to thirty percent of their business.
1: That's an interesting point. And then it also makes you think about, like, what are the real population reports for, like, PSA 8s and 9s? You know, when you think about, like. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and that's why, like, when it comes to these rare cards, I know I, you know, every chance I get, I feel like I talk about, like, my my George and rookie that I have. Um, you know, I've talked about it. And, like, when, when it comes to these super rare cards, it's like, okay, yeah, there is a pop of, um, and I just want to show it off one more time. Thank you, my George Mikan. Always flexing. Um, always trying um (laughs) so when this kind of card comes up right it's like okay total pop is 250 or 300 but take into account probably at least 10 to 20 percent of those and there's no way to know what percentage but it's like taking account probably 10 to 20 percent of those have been cracked out and resubmitted which inflates the pop report so just keep that in mind it's like why can't we we're we're living in an age now to where you know cars are driving themselves yet we can't yeah. get accurate grading reports you know what it's like or pop counts i mean you know it's well, like you oh. can tell the
1: industries where people care enough to where it's like okay like it's obvious that a, like maybe it's just not hasn't been a big enough of an industry or market to where a company's seriously going to put millions of dollars into like finding that technology whereas with cars Elon Musk is like yeah I, i'll put a billion dollars into this technology cuz it's a multi billion dollar you know world that i'm living in or whatever but yeah. yeah no you're but yeah i mean that could i think that's going to continue to evolve though it will
0: yeah um all right so definitely as far as slabs go you're saying some some sort of more policing around just slabs in general grading slabs everything and there's no there's no one specific point as to where you just know that there there is an issue with grading
1: just more yeah more efforts around continuing improvement because i know grading companies you know it's like they have to run a business i don't know what their bottom line is you know it's like i don't have their profit loss here so they might say like well i'd love to do that but we don't have the money based on you know i don't run their business but I guess my hope is and it's and this is kind of for all hobby companies, just continuing to put money into bettering your product that you're offering. You know, I think sometimes companies, especially when you think about card manufacturers over the last few years, they've just had the benefit of people coming in and just paying whatever for this product. So quality control kind of goes to the side. You know, it's like, hey, people are buying it anyway. You know, it's a boom period. Well, it's not, you know, just because it's a boom period doesn't mean we don't try to improve on, on the product. So that I hope that there's continued efforts there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very well said, man. Very well said. Um, now I guess for the next point that where I'm looking for some sort of improvement, um, you know, I, I think I want to, I have a few things in mind, you know, like uh, in my mind, it's kind of like, you know, I want to see some sort of improvement with how maybe cards are done on social media, how that, works and how, what the answer is to that. I don't know. Um, also I'm thinking card shows, you know, there's, there's numerous improvements that can happen with card shows. Um, I love the idea of when there's massive shows, um, trying your best to not schedule massive shows on the same days or the same weekends. You know, I feel like there should just be, you know, maybe more of maybe like a central database just for shows in general, because, um, You know, and and there's always going to be dates where massive shows are kind of overlapping with one another and and whatnot. But it's like, you know, I don't think that there should be a huge New York City show the same weekend as there's a huge Atlantic City show or the same weekend as Philly. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. It's like so I, I do wish that, you know, I think that their show promoters can maybe link up better and become more um you know, kind of more in contact with one another.
1: I think it's tricky. I think what makes that tricky and and I have a little bit of a background in this about 15 years ago, I worked in sales for a company that put on trade shows. So I sold exhibit space and sponsorships for those companies. Now these were massive um, shows, but part of part of how they were able to get good deals on the venue is they booked years in advance, you know, so they would book out like Las Vegas for on like a four year deal to have like Caesars for, These dates, you know, so and I'm not saying that that's necessarily what all these card, uh, you know, shows are doing, but I'm sure for the largest show like the National, for example, I'm I'm sure that that's a multi year planned out deal where they can't just very quickly shift venues. I mean, I was also listening to like uh, Rob Barris at Burbank because he's putting on that Burbank show and he was talking about Anaheim and just trying to get the new, you know, the, the new location and getting like they were booked out for a year so you're trying to lock in like you're just taking whatever you, you can get you know it's like we've got this open weekend take it or leave it you know yeah. so I think that's what can make it tricky for promoters it's easy to think like oh well, they should get together and and plan out like this stuff but it just could very well be that the venues that they've got locked in those are the dates that they could get and that's it you yeah. know it's tough yeah.
0: No, no. Very well said, man. Good points. Good points. So final point, do you have a final um, idea or topic that you want to touch on for this episode? I've talked
1: a little bit about this. um, And this isn't a hobby content gripe at all. I love just all the different, the variation of different hobby content. I've talked about this on my channel before too, but just kind of how we're getting into more of, this is like hot for me, 2023 is all about hobby sustainability. It's about like, you know, keeping your finances in check to where you can, you know, stay in, you know, you're not kind of like blowing it all. And then you're, and then you're out. Um, And so a lot of the content that I see that really gets a lot of traction. And again, I enjoy some of it, you know, it's titled up. I spent $5,000 at at this show. I spent $10,000 on this card. I spent $50,000 on this trade. It's click baby. It, it, but it's fine for me. I don't mind it. If you actually did it, you know what the problem is, if you say I spent 50 grand and then you watch the episode and they spent $4 on a card, then it's like, that's not what I clicked on. You know, that that's the title's incorrect. I don't mind if it actually happened, which it does actually happen. But I think that we need to just be, um, I wish there was kind of more of a narrative that base cards and some of the lower end parallel type stuff is still very cool as well for lower income folks and also young people. You know, the the young people, you know, when I was a kid I wasn't buying Michael Jordan rookies. I wasn't spending $500 on a single card or you know, there's levels to this game. There always has been levels. Just yeah. like there's levels with everything. And so, but the problem is it's like lifestyles of the rich and famous when you go onto onto Instagram or on YouTube and you and you kind of watch this stuff. I like watching. Um, well, we'll get into it. I know we have another episode coming up where I'll get into this more. But um, I, I guess to, to round this out, just more of a focus around that you know these these you know lower end cards can be just just as good for collecting and or flipping as the more expensive ones, and it's far less risky than buying an expensive card. You know, so I think for people getting in,
0: I, that's that's an important message. You know, and and. Shout out to Oz from Cousins Collectibles, who is on this mission to make base cards great again. Uh, a lot of his posts are, you know, he, he's posting, like, PSA 10s of, like, our childhood junk wax. And I'm like, yes! Yeah. Love it! <laughs> I yeah. get more. Listen, I get more in my feels from the 1990 Hoops Tim Hardaway rookie card. Oh, I love that card. He told me too, when he's going for the layup and he's driving, uh, than I do from, like, a brand new, like, Luca, you know, like, whatever you know i'm just like yes
1: yeah, yeah somebody analogy. posted You know it was weird on that note someone posted a mitch richmond rookie card from oh, that like and i was like oh my god i completely forgot about mitch richmond but it took me like back i like had like a, a childhood flashback you know because i saw that card and i was like so damn
0: cool that that golden state warriors team tmc right run tmc they called. Yeah. It, it was tim hardaway Mullen. And uh Mitch Richmond. Um, yeah, yeah. love love them, dude. Chris Mullen's so underrated. I've been like I've been like low key searching Chris Mullen cards recently and like really trying to find a nice on card auto rookie of his. Um oh, nice. Chris Mullen, he's he's a beast, man. Uh I think born and raised in Brooklyn, he's a Brooklyn kid. Like the kid guy's just tough and he, he would he's shoot tough. lights out. Yeah. So good stuff uh, yeah, he doesn't dustin, look man.
1: it he doesn't look it but he's tough
0: oh yeah definitely man definitely definitely uh, but yeah dustin man great episode episode five ding corners sports card dad sports card therapist uh appreciate you man